Right. I'm excited to share with you today. We're talking about abundant life. Abundant life. It's a great topic to be able to talk about. I have good news for you today. We get to talk about really good news, what God has done for us, who he is, who you are in him. And so I give you permission, as always, by the way, to clap, to get excited, to shout, to celebrate. We're celebrating together. Good news today. We're retraining our thinking today. There might be something that hits you a little off at first. If it does, that's just your old thinking, arguing with God. And uh, that's a sign for you to change something. Okay? Because God has abundance for you and for me. And it is literally a mindset. We're talking about the abundant life mindset. The mantra of a person who is living in the promises of God, in the promised land. All right? And I want to talk about Exodus. Now, before we get to Exodus, though, we're going to recap real quick. Last week, we talked about everything is provided. Everybody say, everything is provided. Okay. Everything is provided. Now, we learn that from creation. And whatever happened at creation and whatever was established in the beginning was God's uh, structure for life and for you. Okay? So when he created mankind and put us in the garden on day six, that was his will. And when we showed up, we had everything. We didn't plant any seeds. We didn't pull any weeds. We didn't get the hoe out. We didn't, you know, wait for rain and sunshine to grow a crop and then wait and hope that we survive and, you know, eat of ourselves. No, everything was provided. There was fruit on all the trees. Everything was given to us, right, except our independence from God, right? We didn't really talk about that last week, but we've talked about that a lot. There's two different trees in the middle of the garden, uh, the tree of life, which is eternity, and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was independence, Okay, And so God didn't give us independence, but he said, but you can choose it, but if you do, you're going to die, right? And everything else is yours. God gave us everything, everything. Just keep that in mind. In every situation in life, whenever you choose independence, whenever you choose to go about solving that problem, apart from following God, you will die. It won't work. Just keep that in mind. Whatever happened at creation, that's the, that is the standard for life. That is true throughout all eternity because God doesn't make any mistakes, okay? So the good news is when you showed up, when we showed up, God already had everything provided for us. So we've been living under a curse since the sin that entered the world, and the curse was now you have to make it happen. But Jesus reversed the curse, all right? And he has restored us to our original position before God. We are now righteous in him, and we have everything that we need. Now, your bank account might not look like that, but you're looking at the wrong bank account, okay? And we're talking about spiritual truths and spiritual eyes that are, the spiritual truths are greater than the physical. All the physical came from the spiritual, okay? Your spiritual bank account is full. You have everything right now that you need to do what God has called you to do and to be who God's called you to be. And he's called you to be healthy. He's called you to have uh, everything that you need for your family and for, for life and for living. No poverty, no lack. He's given you wisdom in knowing how to raise your kids. 
And uh, he's blessed us with the abilities to gain wealth and to have jobs and to have uh, skills and to be able to learn and grow and, and do things excellently and things that will benefit other people, but bless us too, right? Everything you need right now is already yours. You got it all. Now, how do we access it? The Bible says we access all of, the, access all of this by faith, by believing. That's how our salvation begins, right? By faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes, receives. But we do not work. And so today's message is God works, I rest. Isn't that a great message? God works, I rest. God did it all, and then he plants me in the midst of everything that he already provided for me. And so if we're trying to get back to that, uh, I think some of us have a little bit of a, a journey to do. Because if you're like me, I, I, you know, working hard is a core of my uh, character you know, I've got like this little list I made up years ago when we started having kids, like, what am I going to teach my kids? You know, these are the most important things to me. And I had like 10 core values. And one of them is hardworking. And I would say to the kids, if you're a Hobson, then you're a hard worker, you know, I'm trying to instill that in them. And so, but, but in the kingdom, uh, we can be hard workers, but when we're striving on our own effort, it doesn't produce anything. And so I'm learning to rest more in God and just work hard in the midst of what God's called me to do. And when you're working in, the, in, in, in response to God's calling and his leadership and he, as he leads us, and we're working in those areas, you know what happens? You're energized. It produces life. But when you're working on your own and you're striving, kind of like in the independence mode, and you're trying to make something happen, you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to... You're trying to, you know, really parent your kids. You're trying to really make money. You're trying to really ma- uh, uh, get rid of an addiction. And you're taking all the pressure on yourself. And you're like, I got to do this. I got to work this hard. I got to make this happen. Doesn't work. Wears you out. Beats you down. Frustrates you. Makes you angry. And it usually gets worse. And so resting, and we're going to talk about this a little bit today. Resting is not that you're not doing anything. It's that you're trusting in the Lord and you're just following and obeying him. So we're going to talk about how that works and the model that we see in Exodus, okay? First of all, I want to read for you uh, this scripture, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, and let's celebrate this. It says, now apart from the law, apart from you trying to get yourself good enough, that's what the law is, apart from all the do's and don'ts, there is a different way to get righteousness from God. Okay, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets themselves testify, and here it is. This righteousness is given. Everybody say given. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Say believe. Okay, so given is God's part. What has God given to you? Righteousness. What is our part? Believe. God does the work. He gives it. And we believe and receive it. We don't do it. God does it. We just believe it. And we receive it. This isn't, I'm not just talking about the forgiveness of your sins. I'm talking about everything. God does it. We believe it. We receive it. We walk into the provision of God for everything that we are dealing with. 
everything that we want to see changed, every problem we have to solve, every lack that's in our life. If we work at it, it won't happen. If we rest in God and see what God has done and we believe it, it, it's released. Faith releases the promises of God into our lives in every area, every area of your life. Everything's provided and God has done it all. Okay, Romans chapter eight, at the end of uh, uh, this passage of scripture, verses one through four, I want to focus on verse four. It's talking about Jesus and he said, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Therefore, as we read in the scriptures, we have been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is not of ourselves. We have not done anything. We have not earned anything. We haven't changed anything. While we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated God's love for us and he died for us. It is only by believing or faith. And we say, Jesus did this. God tells me that Jesus did this for me. My pastor's telling me this. The Bible says this. I believe it. And all of a sudden, you receive it. It is the gift of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God that we are saved. And everybody gets excited and applause for God doing all that great work for us, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. So here's the, the climax here of Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by the trespass or the sin of the one man, which is referring to Adam, if because of his sin, death reigned, reigned through that one man upon all of us, death and sin and condemnation and shame took over planet Earth, took over our creation. If that happened because of the one man's sin, and, uh, and it goes on to say, how much more will those of us who receive God's abundance, abundant provision of grace and the gift. We receive the gift of righteousness. How much more will we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You are called to reign. You were made to reign. In the very beginning, the purpose of mankind's existence was to walk and enjoy in the fellowship of an amazing, loving merciful God, to be in fellowship and to be filled with his love and his presence, and then to take the image that God has placed upon us and this love in us and multiply his image on the earth, to rule and reign over creation. Do you remember God said, I give you all the animals, I give you all the food, I give you all the trees, you go name them, it's yours. Go and be fruitful, multiply. And we weren't just, just talking about kids we're talking about the kingdom, the image of God, the love of God, the character and nature of God. We are to reign in, in, over, this, over this world in the image of God. And he is a creator, and we, we have the capacity to create. Uh, this weekend, we had the marriage conference, and I got home. We were unpacking and cleaning everything up, and I saw these, all these signs that uh, my wife, we had packed back in the house, you know, and I looked at it, and, and I didn't notice it during the event, sorry, but I looked at them at home. I'm like, oh, man, who did those signs? I think it was your wife, wasn't it? Yeah, Ashley. And I'm like, whoa, she is good. She is good. It was 
awesome, beautiful. I looked at him like, what's that? Is that paint or is that? My wife, no, it's chalk. Is that a chalk liquid? Like, you know what I'm Yeah. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Wow, she's good. You know, God has given us the ability, you know, to create, to imagine, to, to make things. We get to create babies. We get to create all kinds of things, you know. And, and God's desire is that you would create in his image love, joy, and peace, and, and, and things would blossom and be fruitful under your care, okay? So God is returning us or has returned us through Christ to that position. You are to be reigning in life. You are to have a life that is enviable by others around you. Enviable. They should say, man, they're happy. They're blessed. They have a twinkle in their eye. They have a, a, a zing in their step. They're, there's, life is, they, they, they like life. Not everything's perfect. I'm not saying that. But man, they got a, a real authenticity to their to their conversation when I talk with their marriage, you know, their kids. Uh, not everything's perfect, but, man, they're like, I envy what, who, whatever's going on there, okay? And Jesus puts it this way, let your light shine in such a way. It's not a, it's not a prideful thing at all. It's like God's redemption. When we begin to really trust and have faith in him, God does something in us that we could never do for ourselves, and our light begins to shine. And people look at, look at your life and they're like, man, I want whatever that is. And, and Jesus says, let your light shine in such a way that they recognize it is God in your life. It's God in your life. So we, we're, we're going to be shining, all right? So we're going to get out the little towels and we're going to start buffing ourselves because, you know, we want to shine ourselves up with faith and the word of God and tap into the promises that God has for us. All right, so... We are to reign in life. Can I get an amen on that one? So let's get into our story a little bit. Now, when I think about abundant mindset, I think about things like this. It's a person who's learned to live from a place of rest, not stressed and striving and freaking out. It's a person who is learning to live in a place of belief and trust in God. Um, and they, they are quick to turn worry into, you know, worry over to God and, and walk in peace. They're very unoffendable people. Very unoffendable, very hard to offend a person who's living in the abundant life mindset because they already have everything. They don't need affirmation from you. Uh, it's okay if, if, if you're struggling with something and it affects them because they, they already have security. They already have love. They already have an eternal perspective. They're looking beyond, you know, all the temporary stuff, and they're looking at what God has done for them and his love for them, and they draw from God their security, their trust, their rest, their abundance. You take from them, it's okay. God's got everything I need. I don't need to cling to stuff. You know, see what I'm saying? A person who's living in that abundant mindset, they're, it's almost impossible for them to be offended, See what I'm saying? That's how the apostles could, like, take my life. I mean, what, what more could you do to a human being than to take their life uh, unjustly, you know? And, uh, and so the, our lives begin to just be entrusted to God. And when you turn your whole life over to God, and God is your righteous judge of all the earth, 
and he is your provider, and your, hand, and your life is in his hands, all of it, what's left to be offended? You see what I'm saying? Your life has been crucified in Christ. You're just going with the flow with God. I mean, he's got you, front, back, center, all around, top and bottom. And so uh, uh, this abundant lifestyle produces great fruitfulness for us. And I want to read uh, our memory verse today, and then we're going to come back to it, hopefully, and break it down. But Hebrews chapter 4, verses 10 to 11 says, anyone who enters God's rest, rest, also rests from their works, okay, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Of course, this is ripped right out of context, so you don't know the story, so I'm going to share the story with you. Who's disobedience, what's the story, and what is this rest? Okay, so we're going to talk about the story of Exodus. So Exodus is when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and God set them free. He set them free, and there's three main components to this story as you read this book in your Bible. The first component is God's deliverance of the people out of the country and the bondage of Egypt. It represents Jesus coming to us later and setting us free from our bondage to sin and death and brokenness and slavery to the devil, right? The other stage is that they are now in a desert, and they could have been in there, as we know, maybe, you know, 11, 11 days at, at the maximum, uh, and, and there was a season in the desert where God was trying to teach them something, and he was trying to teach them to trust in him completely, Every morning, they needed to get up and find bread on the, on the ground of the desert floor every day, one day at a time. Every day, they had to look to the cloud, the presence of God. If the cloud moved, they moved. If the cloud stopped, they stopped. And they did that. That's how they lived. They learned how to trust in God every day with everything, with everything. And some of us, uh, some of us are still in the desert. Still trying to learn that. But there's a tipping point to the story where a generation came and they trusted in God and they got to the third point, which was the promised land. That's abundant life. Abundant life mindset. And uh, in the promised land, they didn't have to plant any crops, just like creation. They didn't have to build anything. They came into the land and it was a land flowing, as they say, with milk and honey. And there was grapes bigger than pumpkins, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they were big. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, anyway, there, you know, big grapes. Um, and plentiful of food. And everything was already provided. And so well, let's talk about Exodus for a minute, okay? Exodus chapter 3, verse uh, 7 to 10. I'm just going to pick verse 8 and pick verse 10. That God decides that he is going to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian slavery through Moses. And he says this. So, well, let me read it. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And God has looked down on humanity, and he's saying the same thing, I have seen their suffering under sin. And I've seen that they are, they are broken, and they are in bondage, and they are, they're destitute. And so I'm going to come down and save them. This is a picture of what God was going to do. This was a historical event 
and a foreshadowing of our spiritual event for you and for me. So he says, so I have come down to rescue. How many of you are glad we have a God who comes to us, huh? I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up, to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I got a whole new destiny for my people. I'm going to pull, I'm going to bring them up and out of that mess, and I'm going to put them in a land of abundance, okay? This is not talking about heaven. This is talking about earth. This is talking about heaven coming to earth for you and for me, okay? And so uh, verse 10, he says, so now go, he's talking to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Kind of like uh, Megan was saying, God chooses people. He's talking to Moses. He said, I have come down to rescue my people now, but I'm going to send you to do it. So you go, Moses. Go. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to do the work. And so Jesus is our Moses. Jesus said of himself, without saying himself, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God, listen, did not send his son He sent Moses, he sent his son. He did not send his son to condemn us, but to rescue us, to save us. Anyone who doesn't believe, anyone who doesn't have faith, that's your only job. Your only job is to believe, to have faith. Anyone who doesn't have faith, anyone who chooses not to believe in the son of God is condemned already. Not because God is angry at you, Not because God has condemned you, but because your sin has killed you and separated you from the author of life. Your independence has killed you. And God has come down to rescue you. To rescue you. And so what do we do? We believe. We have faith. Now let's just, we got the big picture, right? But what about the situation you're dealing with right now? What are you doing with that? Are you trusting and having faith? Or are you taking the burden of it upon your shoulders and being independent and, uh, and living in the desert. If you want to live in the abundant life, then you got to believe. you got to trust. you got to have faith. Yes, with the nitty-gritty details of life, the little and the big problems that we face. I'm talking about real practical stuff here. Okay, so Jesus comes and we believe and we receive, okay? So God's part is he gives. Our part, we receive. God's part, he works. Our part, we rest. Okay, just saying. It's good news. All right, so God promises deliverance, and this is what he says, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, and this would be another passage for you uh, to to meditate on if if you're looking for some more because this is awesome. I want you to pay attention to the words, I will. Okay? Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with muddy acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you To the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you 
as a possession, I am the Lord. Woo! Seven, I preached on this once, seven, the seven I wills of God. Who's doing all the work? God. What are the Israelites doing? Resting. Nothing. God's doing it all. He says, I will bring you out. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own. I'll be your God. I'll bring you to the land. I'm going to give it to you. Woo! Now, what about Jesus? Same thing. I will forgive you of your sin. I will free you from your bondage. I will redeem you from your hurt. I will adopt you as my own child into the family. I will be with you, and I will be in you, and I will bring you to that land, and I will give it to you as a possession. That's today. You cannot deliver yourself from your problem. You cannot heal yourself of your hurt. You cannot have uh, the answer that you're looking for generated from within. It only comes from God. God, he has it all. It's a totally different way of viewing this world. Okay, what is God doing? He's doing it all. What are we doing? We're resting, we're trusting, we're listening, we're following, we're obeying, but we're not generating anything here, okay? All right, so this is the story in Exodus. Now, it continues, and uh, this is where it comes from. The Israelites, they find salvation through the blood of the lamb. Again, a foreshadowing. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, God tells Moses, tell the whole community of Israel, that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Each one of us needs to have a lamb, okay? And this is what they were to do with the lamb in Exodus chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. Take care of them, the lamb, uh, the, yeah, the lambs, until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood Put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Continuing on in verses 12 to 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. If you're under the blood of the sacrificial lamb, there is no destructive spirit that could come upon you or your family. There is no judgment for your sin. You are forgiven and you're cleansed and in a sense you are atoned for by the sacrifice of that blood. Now when they would do the, the blood, they had these old, old, I don't know, flowers or weeds or whatever called hyssop and they could kind of, uh, a, a big old kind of a wad of a flower type thing at the end of the stalk and they would use that like a brush and they would dip it in the blood and they would go, they would just put the blood on the top on the sides, and the blood would just be dripping. And, and the blood from the, the top would probably be dripping down, right? And they're putting blood on the sides. It almost seems like they're making a cross, doesn't it? And 
the foreshadowing of this is that Jesus, as John the Baptist said it first, to his listeners, he said, look at him. There he is, the Lamb of God. He's God's Lamb. That is God's sacrificial Lamb who has come to take away the sin of the world. That's the Lamb of God. And when that lamb is sacrificed, his blood covers all our sins. So if you, by faith, come under Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are coming under the protection of God himself. And there is no longer any condemnation for your sin and your failures. There is no longer any destruction that that can come near you. Now, in a figurative sense, okay, we are protected eternally by that blood, but in a figurative sense, I believe there's times when we kind of step out from the, the blood and we get whacked. But when we're living under the mindset, the abundant life mindset, that I don't need to come out of this house to fight my enemy, while I'm in the house roasting the lamb, I'm eating with my family. God's destruction of my enemy is taking place right now. While I'm inside resting, God is healing and he's protecting me and he's packing my bags. When the Israelites came out from under the blood, when God told them, now you come out. When they came out, it says not a single one of them was sick or feeble. There was a miracle happening while the destruction was taking place on the enemies of God. The people of God were being healed underneath the blood. They ate the lamb. Jesus said, this is my body. You know, this is my blood. Eat it. Drink it. This is me. And, and we're, we're doing, by we do that and we did that in communion, while we're, what we're doing is we're taking on salvation. We're taking on life in him. He was broken that we could be healed. He was, you know, whipped so we could be healed and have, have all that. We could be restored. We, and when they came out, the Bible says that God made the Egyptians favorable towards the Israelites. And all the Israelites had to do, and God told them to do this, ask them. Ask them for whatever you want. And whatever they wanted, the Egyptians gave them. They plundered Egypt, they're going out with carts filled with gold and silver and clothes and cloths, and they took the wealth of Egypt with them. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? They're inside the house, they're resting, they're sleeping, and God is taking care of business for them. Nobody lifted a sword. Nobody led a rebellion. Nobody stole anything from anybody. Nobody had to strive for anything. When they left in the middle of the night, they left and they became instant millionaires. And they were all healed and whole. And they were free from the bondage of Egypt. This is what has happened for you and for me in Jesus. This is exactly what has happened. There is health, there is wealth, there's provision. There's destiny, there's freedom for every one of us 
Right now. It is right now. Right now. And it's not because you're working so hard to get it. It's only if you trust in him, if you give it to him, if you rest in him. He's got you. He's got you. I can't tell you how many uh, people that I've talked with that have had addictions, and they have told me, it's like a, the same repetitive story. Man, I try to work on that. I try to work on that. Try to work. It just seemed like it got worse and worse and worse. But when I gave it to God, I began to learn how to trust in God. I began to learn who I was, and that's not who I am anymore. Then God set me free. God set me free. And I was the same, same way too. There was things I tried to work on for a long time until I learned how much God loved me. And when I, when I gave into that idea that God loves me and he's forgiven me and I'm his, I, mean, I changed quicker than I ever could on, on my own. I couldn't do it over, over there on my own, in my own strength. And so that's what I'm talking about. This is the life that God has for us. Freedom, wholeness, blessing. It's all there for you and for me. <laughs> all right. So, um, so the people were saved while they stayed under the blood. And so will you and so will I. Just stay under the blood. Stay under Jesus as Lord. Make sure he's in charge of every area of your life. Any area of your life that's not under the blood that you're taking control of is not going to be blessed. It's not going to produce fruitfulness. It's going to produce frustration uh, in your life. And, 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 and different variety forms of just brokenness and death. Doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. So John the Baptist said that, and, and, and people, we have to decide if we believe that too. Is he the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And they came out, and now it didn't, the, the story obviously didn't end there. So the, the enemy changed his mind. Pharaoh you know, rallies his chariots. He chases after the Israelites. They're pinned up against the, the Red Sea. And uh, Moses reassures the people, and he tells them in Exodus 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be what? Still. You just need to rest. The Lord will fight for you. So what happened? We know this story. It's one of the greatest stories in the Bible. Uh, God, Moses is crying out to God because everybody's screaming at Moses. And God says to Moses, what are you crying out to me for? You got that staff? Lift your stick. And then it says the breath of God. But in the, in the Psalms, it says by the breath of God. He just, whew. no, it actually says by the breath of his nostrils. <laughs> Have you ever tried? Don't do this. But you know what I'm talking about? You can't really blow out of your nose like, you know, blow, can you imagine trying to blow a candle out with your nose? <laughs> you know, it's not much. It got, it's just by the breath of his nostrils. He split the sea. <sighs> and the people walked through the sea. And then what happened? The enemy comes after them. Their wheels start wobbling. Their chariots start collapsing. They realize about three quarters of the way into the sea, uh, God's fighting for them. They said that, we're in trouble. Their God is fighting for them. And they started to retreat, and God crashed the waters over them, destroyed the enemy. The bodies of the Egyptians were washing up on the shore. The Israelites are on the other side. And they see the bodies of their enemies washing up on the shore. Chariot wheels, horses, 
you know, army guys, and it's over. Wow. Look what God just did. He just wiped our enemy out. I'm telling you, Jesus did the same thing for you. Your enemy has been completely destroyed on the cross. Your enemy has no more power over your life. Every promise of God is yours. You just got to say, yes, I agree. You just have to say, I believe. You just need to stay in a restful position and let God do what only God can do and what he's so good at doing. I heard a message last week, I think it was, uh, called Take Your Seat. And I would encourage you to look this message up. It's by Joel Olstein. Uh, someone from the church sent it to me. So I watched it. Take Your Seat. A great message. I'm just going to summarize a little bit of what he said because it was so good. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's talking about this prayer that Paul is praying. And he says, man, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And Paul is saying, I'm preaching on abundant living and I'm praying that you get it. That's what he's saying. Man, may you have a spirit of wisdom that you can know. Do you know how rich you are? Do you know how powerful you are? Do you know how great of a hope you have? Do you know who you are? He's praying, oh God, help us all see this. That's what he's praying. And then he says, and that power that I'm praying for you to know that you already have, this power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted. When he raised Christ from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. And so the, the statement here is that Jesus, if I was God, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God right now, far above all rule and authority. Far above all of it. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the, a double chair in the heavenlies, with Jesus, far above all rule and authority. This is the spiritual truth right now that is truer than how you feel and what you see. It is a truer truth than what you are experiencing sometimes right now on planet Earth. It is an eternal truth. You are positioned right now in Christ. You are far above all other rule and authority because Jesus has invited you into the chair with him, into the chariot of victory, of triumph, if you will. What I'm saying is this is not something that we, we will have someday. I'm telling you this is who you are right now. People who start to believe that start to unlock the reality of that in their life. That's what abundant life mindset does. People who believe God, it affects how they start to behave, and that affects what starts to come. I'm just telling you. Remember last week I was talking about keys? All right, so, so that's the key. You open the door. When you start believing what God, this is faith, what God wants to do in your life. So the idea of Joel Olstein's message, take your seat, 
was, why are you still getting it? Why am I still getting up and trying to make something happen? If Jesus is seated, that means his work is done. The last words he said on earth was, it's finished. It's done. Right? And so he sits down. He's done. And, and now we're seated with him. So the work is done. Our efforts now are to sit down. That's our memory verse. Okay? When God works, we rest. So let's make every effort to enter this rest. Let's make every effort to sit down and stop taking over again. It's easy to get up from the chair and get offended. Oh, what'd you say about me? Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. You don't think I can do that? What? What? Oh, yeah? All right. You get up, get up off your chair, right? Or, oh, here's a problem. Oh, yeah, I, I got to do something about this. Roll our sleeves up. That's easy. That's what we're used to. We're used to trying to figure it all out, do all the work, strive and freak out and worry as if our worrying is solving the problem, right? But we think, I, I should be a responsible adult here and worry about this all night long and not get any sleep because that's what a responsible adult should do, right? I should take responsibility for this problem and freak out about it and worry about it and stress about it and just ruin my day over it, right? Because that's what I should do. No! That's what you don't have to do anymore, okay? You stay seated. You give it to God. Isn't that what the Bible tells us to do? Hey, whatever's any anxious thoughts, any worries, any problems, what's it say? Give God thanks, release it to him, and let the peace of God come. Sit down. Sit down in him. So sitting down in God is simply this. I'm just going to follow God's leading. The cloud moves, I follow. Right? God speaks, I listen. Do you see the difference? It's not a, a life of inactivity or apathy. It's a life of faith. It's a life of paying attention to God. It's a life of listening to God. It's a life of following God. And when we obey God, we get God results. Okay? And we're not obeying God because we have to earn salvation. We can't earn salvation. We're obeying God because there is no other option, either life or death. I'm going, I'm going for the life. You know, here's the way. Here's the truth. Here's the, here's the life. Yeah, I'll choose that. Where are you going, Jesus? I want to go with you. Okay? Because why? Because he's the way. His truth gives me freedom. His life is what I need. Uh, and so... That's, that's what this idea about taking your seat is. When we stand up, we're no longer resting. Okay? So when we stand up, God sits down. You don't want God sitting down on your problems. When you take it, God lets you take it. He's not in control anymore. When you sit down and give it to God, God can be God for you. It unlocks all of heaven's resources. You sit down you got all of heaven's resources available. You stand up, you got your resources available. That's what happens. Okay? God is trying to teach us in the desert to trust him, to follow him, to let him lead us, guide us. He provides everything for us. When God is working, we're resting. And when we decide to work, God rests. It's like, okay. And his hands are off. So we are created to completely depend on God. That's what you're created to do. This is a, I don't know if it's this way for women. I'm not a woman. You know, 
But for, for a man, for me, that's hard. I, I mean, I've often taken some of my personal value from my ability to get stuff done. And so, but my identity needs to change. My identity needs to be who God says I am, and I got to find out how to rest in him and celebrate that I got everything I need in him and through him. And so let's look at, as we conclude, this verse I want you to be thinking about uh, for the week, okay? It's uh, Hebrews, well, let me, let me read a couple of verses real quick. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19, is talking about the story of how the Israelites came through the desert, and they came to the promised land, and they did not believe, and they did not enter the promised land. And um, the writer to the Hebrews is talking about this story, and he's challenging us, don't be those guys. God's made the promised land for you to live in, okay? The next generation made it, but that first generation did not make it. Why? Because they did not believe. They didn't believe. They had doubt. And so in Hebrews 3.19, it says, So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Okay? When you sat down in that chair, whenever you did, you didn't even think about it because you had something built up in you called faith that that chair would hold you. You know? And, uh, and so we were, uh, f- faith creates a response. It's just when you have something called faith, it automatically causes you to respond a certain way. It's not like you're trying to get yourself to do something. When you have faith, when you believe God, it automatically causes you to act a different way. And that different way, that thing that, that, that describes what happens when you have faith, it's called obedience. You just do what God said to do because you believe him. There's, it's not a battle. You either believe God or you don't. When you believe him, you just do it. That's what happens. When you don't believe him, you don't do it. That's called unbelief. Right? That's the difference. Um, and so, so they didn't enter the land because of unbelief. And so Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 says, talking about this, the promise of entering his rest still stands. So let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, of the rest that God has for you. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. This is very interesting. They didn't have the gospel preached to them in Exodus. They didn't know about Jesus. Nobody said Jesus to them. Oh, yeah. They might not have said Jesus, but it was all about the blood of the lamb. It was all about following God and trusting in him and having belief in him. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, I'm telling you right now, they had the gospel preached to them that they would have everything they would need if they would just follow God. And you've had the gospel preached to you. If you will just believe in Jesus, make him the Lord and Savior of your life, if you'll trust in him and follow him, you have everything that you need right now. You had the gospel preached to you, they had the gospel preached to them. Look at what it says. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. They just didn't believe it. So it didn't benefit them. They did not get to the promised land. Doesn't mean they're not in heaven. Okay? Doesn't mean that in this context. It means they didn't get the full rest that God had for them. 
They didn't believe. Now we who have believed enter that rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. We're going all the way back to Genesis again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We got it all. Oh, yeah. That's why Jesus came, to restore us back to we got it all. We were just meant to enjoy depending on a good, gracious, loving, amazing Father who blesses us with everything that we need for life and for godliness. We were never meant to make it on our own. We're never meant to do that. And so I want to uh, look at our memory verse for the week, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, and break it down for us as we meditate on it. Anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. What does that mean? I'm just going to conclude by saying this. Um, when we, I should probably use this since I brought it up here. I'll finish with this, my summary. When we have faith, and I'm just going to use F, when we have faith, that leads to obedience, and that equals abundance, okay? Abundant life. That's the promised land. And, I, and I'm talking micro promises too, all right? So we have an issue in our life. We've already given our life to Christ. He's our Lord and our Savior. Our sins are forgiven. There's nothing more we can do about that. We're good to go. But life down here needs a little bit more heaven, a little less hell, right? So you got a little hell and you want to replace it with some heaven, okay? you got to have some faith, and, and you get faith by the Word of God. And you go, oh, that's what the Word of God says? Yeah, that's what it says. And then you say, oh, that's awesome. That's mine. That's for me. Something happens. It's called faith. You hold on to that faith. That's hope. You hold on to it, and you just, you just begin to live it out. You're not trying to earn something. You're unlocking access. You're just, this is what God says. Wow, okay, I'm going to rest in that. I'm going I'm to follow him. And that leads you into the abundant life, the promised land. It really does. And the opposite of that, like this, this verse says, but some through doubt uh, and unbelief, so if you have unbelief, let's do a U, that leads to disobedience, which is a D here, and that keeps you in the desert. And I don't know if it's one S or two, but whatever. Desert, desert, whatever. I got it right? Right. See, now I don't have to embarrass myself in the second service, so thank you. So unbelief naturally leads to disobedience, and it keeps you in the desert. So that's why he's saying, listen, God's not out to get you. He's not out to get you. He's not punishing you. You're already in trouble. You see, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us, all right? Anyone who doesn't believe is condemned already. They're already living short of the purpose that God had created them for. But those who believe, right, are going to see the promises of God prevail in their lives. This is the abundant life mindset. This is what we need to be muttering to ourselves all the time. Meditation means muttering to yourself. Man, God loves me. Oh, man, God's favor surrounds me. God, thank you. You're going to give me favor here. You're going to give me blessing. God, you're going to lead me. God, I got this problem. You know what? Hey, 
It's your problem, God. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to sit down and rest. God, when you tell me what to do, I'm on it. I'm ready to go. Because otherwise, I'm just spinning my wheels, wasting my time, digging the hole deeper, making more problems, hurting myself and the people around me, putting pressure on people, freaking out, stressing out, not sleeping. Okay? So, God, I'm going to sit down. It's your problem. As soon as you tell me where to go, I'm following. As soon as you say what to do, I'm there. God, I'm just going to rest in you. I'm going to strive to rest. I'm going to make every effort to trust. I'm going to listen. I'm going to rest. Anytime you do not have peace, you need to fight for your peace. That's what that verse means. You need to strive to rest. You need to take the, the whisperings of the enemy and the grumblings of your flesh, and you need to get those things. You've got to wrestle those thoughts down. Remember that verse? We've got to wrestle those thoughts into submission. Get them in a chokehold and say, my soul will rest in the Lord, and you will not be tormenting me anymore. Depression, right? Hurt, worry, fears, anxieties, whatever it is. And we're going to say, God, I'm giving this back to you, and it's going to jump back on you. Take it off, wrestle it down there, and give it back to God, and sit down, and things are going to try to get back on you again. That's your work. That's the work of faith. That's your striving. That's your striving. Only God can defeat your enemy, not you, okay? So I pray a, a blessing on you and a blessing of abundance that you will take whatever, um, whatever you are hearing from God today and you'll rework that into your mindset. You are meant to live from a place of rest and a place of abundance. You have everything you need right now for what you're contending with. God has it all for you. Your faith will release it as you give it over to him and trust in him. All right, let's pray together. Would you stand with me? Let's pray by faith for whatever we're contending with. I want to see this church alive. Come on. Full of life, full of purpose, full of health, full of uh, wealth, full of provision, full of wisdom, full of grace. And even though we go through difficulties in life, we're going to keep coming out stronger, okay? More like Christ, refined and stronger, all right? So let's just go to the Lord. Whatever, let's just pray. Whatever is on your heart right now, if there's an issue that, that you're contending with, uh, let's just give it over to God right now. Let's just, t just take this word and act on it. So Lord Jesus, right now we come to you and thank you that you are the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. But not just that, but you came that we might have abundant life, life to the full. So we celebrate today, Lord Jesus, your victory on the cross, defeating our enemy, forgiving us, and making us a, a, a way to be healed, to be whole, to be free, to have a new destiny, to have a new mindset, to walk in your blessings and your favor. And so, Lord, right now, we just are reminded of this. And so we take the, this thing right now in our life. If you have it, think about it. And, God, we give it back to you. Lord, we've been striving or we've been worried or we've been struggling. And so, God, right now, we just, by, by pure faith in you, from the word that we've heard this morning, we act on this right now and we just grab a hold of it and we give it to you. We lift it up to you. It's yours, Lord. God, we trust in you. You contend with those who contend with us. You are the one that we trust in. You are our provider. You give us all that we need for life and for godliness. Certainly, Lord, you are a better solution to this issue than our own efforts or intellect or striving. And so, Lord, we turn it over to you, Jesus. You're not just Lord of my 
of my sins that you've taken away. You're Lord of my life. I give this to you, Lord. I give it to you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you now lead me and guide me. I'm going to listen. I'm going to rest. I'm going to relax. I'm going to trust. And Lord, when you, when you show me, I just pray that you just help me to learn how to listen to your voice. Help me to see you speaking to me through other people, through your word. Help me to, to see you and hear you so that I can follow you. And Lord, when you speak to me, um, I'm just trusting you're also going to give me the strength to follow. You're going to give me the wisdom to, uh, to do what you call me to do. And, and in, in the meantime, I'm resting. It's yours, Lord. It's yours. I am believing for a life of peace. I'm believing I can live the, the, the lion's share of my days in a place of peace, in a place of rest. I choose to change my mind right now. I choose, Lord, to believe. It's not my job for me to provide for myself, but that, that's what you have done for me. I choose to change my mind right now, Lord, that I can trust in you. I can believe in you. You are at work even when I'm resting. In fact, you are only at work when I'm trusting in you and releasing it to you. So, Lord, I change my mind according to your word that you, you alone, have provided all that I need for life and for godliness. And today I choose rest. I choose to trust in you. Thank you, Lord. I don't even have to ask for anything great because you've already got it, Lord. I'm trusting in you. You are the God of miracles. Nothing is outside of your reach. No one is outside of your reach. There is no wisdom you know, greater than your wisdom. You know it all. You are everywhere. You are all powerful, and you're for me. You have my best in mind at all times. You made me to be with you forever. Thank you, Lord. I have no worries. I give it all to you. I release it to you, Lord. I trust in you. Thank you, God, that you work all things to my good. Thank you, Lord, that I can come to you and find rest, rest for my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, and help me, Lord, and help us to think this way throughout this week, to change our minds with your truth, that we can truly live with joy and peace, that we can be a, a life-giving fountain to those around us instead of, you know, having pity parties and, and uh, you know, inviting everybody to our pity parties. Lord, let us be a fountain of life and encouragement as we trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Let this church thrive in you, Lord, this week. We just trust in you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, I asked the worship team to lead us in the song because I, I, I love the song. I can tell that they're going to try it. Uh, thanks for throwing it together for us, guys, last minute. But God is a way maker. I want us to sing this song and build our faith and continue. If you've got something that you're dealing with, continue during the song. Just let the song reinforce. Lord, it's yours. I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. Let's just celebrate the song together, okay, before we go. Now come back and bless us. You 